0: At the same time, though, that you see, you're you seeing people be incredibly innovative with the persistence to create. Um, and that blows me away.
1: Musical performance is a participatory art form for the audience. The audience is literally playing a role.
2: This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper, and we're continuing our conversation on music with Alexander Platt from the Lacrosse Symphony and with Andy Hughes from TUG and, of course, his solo work. And this conversation is so timely because as we are going to production, we have the return of Moon Tunes for the 2021 season. And somebody had the brilliant idea to open the season with TUG and the Lacrosse Symphony Chamber Orchestra performing together. Now, in this part two of our conversation, we'll talk about trusting the people that you're performing with. We'll also talk about the first time they remember getting a reaction on stage and whether music can equal hope. Stay with us. There's more with Andy and Alexander coming up on Around River City. Thank you for joining us in this Around River City conversation today with Alexander Platt from the La Crosse Symphony Orchestra and with Andy Hughes from Tug. Have you ever been in one of those situations, whether it's on stage or maybe it's in your job or whatever, a, a situation where you just have to trust the people that are with you? I mean, really trust them. That's where we pick up the conversation. I've been on stage with people that I didn't really trust too much. And I've been on stage with people that I do trust, that I would trust with anything that I could throw at them and anything that came our way. And, boy, you have to have the trust. I mean, and Alexander, you need to trust your players as much as they need to trust you. Uh And, Andy, I mean, uh, there's usually, at the most, three or four of you on the stage um, making all that sound.
0: And that goes back to what Alexander said about the uh, repetition. And so the four of us have been, you know, until this year in a basement every week, you know, it didn't necessarily matter if this had a show or not. We were in the basement creating and working on that trust piece. Myself and Jake, 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 bass player. We've been playing music almost 20 years together. Well, that's two of us. That's it. Joe and Ben, uh, ben Rohde, our drummer Joe Ganser, guitarist keyboarder, um, they went they went to high school in Onalaska. They've been playing for about 20 years. So as we brought that together and we're doing that, that that's 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 where it's created. Where I I can start to. Know where Joe's going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, right? I know exactly what you're saying. It's yeah. that repetition of the structure,
2: the the known written structure of the song, that allows you then when you perform to use that structure as a way to expand upon it during the performance.
0: Yeah, and then and then and then going out and getting in front of people and doing it. You know, that's that's a whole a whole a whole other piece that, of it. That's
2: a question I would do. I would love to know from both of you the first time you did your thing in front of an audience and got a reaction what was how important was that
1: well again that goes back to the whole swelled head thing of the young conductor I was <laughs> my first I every so often and actually we did it we hadn't planned on doing it but we did it on our first concert this season because of you know covid where we instead of having 60 75 musicians on stage we had 15 and only string players because we were Still, still forbidden you know to have wind woodwind and brass and singers and so it's been very difficult but it's forced us to go back to like this great string orchestra repertoire mainly from the 19th century and there's this piece by a very famous piece by Tchaikovsky called the Serenade for Strings and it's one that goes don 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 very immortal tune it starts with it and ends with it it's an incredible piece and I always get very emotional when I do this piece. And again, I have to fight this battle about how emotional am I going to be as a conductor because it's the first piece of music I got paid to conduct. I had <laughs> formed an orchestra. I mean, just like Andy, I was in late in my high school years and I be- became a musical entrepreneur and I put together a, a little orchestra with people I'd gone to high school with, the fellow music members of the high school orchestra. And it got some attention. And then someone in, in a neighboring town, this was the age of uh, the early 1980s when we had all those Soviet emigres, the last days of the Soviet Union, and all these amazing musicians were coming out of Russia, well, the whole Soviet Union, and, and, and you know finding a safe harbor in America. And there was a group of them, who very few of them even spoke English, and they wanted to do a concert, so they had to get a local guy, an American guy, to, to conduct, and they needed someone who was really cheap, so you get someone who's very ah. young. <laughs> so they they this group uh, in a nearby town paid me five hundred dollars to conduct the Tchaikovsky Serenade for Strings, and I was eighteen years old. And it, the performance went magnificently well, and the problem is it almost went too well because there are these, these, couple of musicians, these hard bitten New York freelance classical musicians who said, "Kid, you're going to be famous. You're going to be famous, kid." Oh, <laughs> so you don't tell someone that when they're eighteen years
2: old. But it felt good to hear that applause. There's, it, it seems it like there's that moment when the mute, but that split half second between when the music ends and the applause begins. That moment in between there must be heaven.
1: That's the moment, that's the famous moment, speaking of moments, that uh, the great Leonard Bernstein, of course, had a great love of popular music and wrote some of it himself. And he always said there's that moment that you're, exactly that you're talking about where, in his rather melodramatic way in his later years, he famously said, and I'll try to impersonate Bernstein, well, at that moment, I don't know who I am or where I am or when I am. (laughs) It was like very seventies thing to say, but it is kind of true when you totally release yourself and into the spirit of the music and that primal sense, there is this moment when it's over and you just, it's like a, it's like a religious, it's a religious experience really. It's where you just,
2: yeah, it's not like one. It is one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it, It really is one. It really is one. And, and that, the, the other kind of benchmark, not benchmark, kind of lodestar piece for me, the moment that I knew that that was going to happen in lacrosse, it was my very first season when the orchestra was in great financial difficulty, like so many orchestras after 2008, you know, really it was like touch and go for the LSO. And we built over the, you know, the next 10 years, we have built together, together. We've built this incredible orchestra uh, again. And, um, and, and, For me, the moment was another piece that's like a classical work, but also became a a work of popular music, and you know, which everyone knows, is the Mendelssohn Italian Symphony, which is that opening. You know, the winds go and the strings go, and I remember that it was like in March or something or April of my first season. And the piece had meant a lot to me because my mother's family was the British, like Scottish, Irish side of the family. And there was this great tradition which I think we're now celebrating. Like, you know, one of the, this difficult time we're living in. You know, when when people when I was growing up, you said, Oh, don't ever use the word working class working class. It's a pejorative. Don't don't ever say that and now we proudly say we're working class. You know, this is a beautiful word. But my my Scottish Irish side of the family who came to America via Canada, actually, um, there was this great tradition. There were working class people who read books and listened to music. And it was my uncle, my uncle who gave me who was the most beautiful man who was a mechanic he gave me my first recording of the Mendelssohn Italian Symphony Hmm. when I was like 10 years old. And it was this incredible thing that changed my life. And it was just, it was this amazing recording that will never die, the London Symphony Orchestra from the 50s. And it just... It's just again. It's like it's 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 like when we talk about like you know, uh, you know Johnny Cash and June Carter. It's the same. This magic, and and I just I think it was that heritage in me, that identity in me. I just bounded on the podium. I just went, <sucks> and we were just. Ever since it's just been apple pie. It's hmm. Andy. What was the? Do you remember your first time getting? A yeah, what reaction? was your first time like? You had that magic moment where you knew like music had to be. Put. Like you just had to be a musician.
0: So I and, and, similar only in the way that no one told me I was going to be famous. Um, but because you know count yourself lucky. Yeah. Um, no, but it was a high school talent show, and it went way better than it should have because I was we had put together a group a group of group of guys that you know and everyone played except for I didn't play an instrument. So I was like you know I some people knew that I wrote you know I, I would write poetry and stuff. I was into Langston Hughes a lot. So that oh, you know great. I just I was wanted to be a writer and so once you got to the music guys I was like oh you're you write you're the singer you know so okay. I got to this group it was my junior year of high school and we did a talent show and I remember they would have to because and this is gonna be I mean, very basic stuff I just didn't you're like coming in to where the verse starts yeah, you because know, we did like I guess an original piece. I don't really remember. It's mostly jam band kind of stuff.
2: Something original piece of yours?
0: Well, I took poetry, I'm sure, and then they were jamming, right? Okay. And we just you know made it work in somebody's basement. Um, and we did, and we did the talent show, but th- they had to like sort of one or two of the guys would have to sort of like, okay, go now. <laughs> it's that you know part one or part A. Because I was just I was just it, it was kind of out of my world. And we didn't win the talent share or anything, but because you're in, because you're in that situation, you know the you know the whole school's in there, and we did, you know, because they were they were, you know, for, for 11th graders they were they were you know good musicians, so it went better than it should have. So that moment that you know the audience goes when you were talking about it, it for some of us and for me it was that I'm I've never not wanted to have that. And I don't mean it in the sense of like people applauding me, but that feeling in between where you just lay it all out. Mm-hmm. And at that moment for me, it was completely out of my element, felt like I didn't belong. And I have sort of always had that, which I've used to, I guess it's like that chip in my shoulder. I felt, I just feel like I never belong. You know, like when I do like song pools and stuff and I start going down to Nashville, get that feeling a lot. Cause you'll get in a room and a guy will go, I wrote this song for yeah. <laughs> So you're very instantly kind of, but i just that moment like that you talked about that in between you've just done something
1: i know exactly what you're talking about though, when you like you go to when you talk about going to nashville it's like if there's a classical music equivalent of nashville in the united states it would doubtless be like tanglewood which is you know the summer home of the boston symphony orchestra in the berkshire mountains of massachusetts and it was founded like in the late 30s and it it's just the shrine it's the cuz not only is it the summer home of one of the great orchestras of the world with greatest soloists and conductors, but it's also like one of the greatest classical music schools in the world. So it's, I, I spent two summers there and I spent both my summers. No, forgive me. I spent three summers there. One as a viola player. And then as a conductor, I spent every year, every, each of those three summers, I spent the entire summer feeling like I didn't fit in. And I couldn't even go back like without feeling just incredible emotional anguish. And I'm now in my mid-50s, and it's just one of the, the gifts of, of, of middle life is like, now I go, and I, I love every minute, and I just feel happy to be there, and I do feel part of the place. And that's it's believe me, it's just one of the things you just, you've spent 20, 30 years in this profession, and you create something that no one can take away from you. You just feel yeah, I'm part of this. I'm part of this. It's like again, I think it's it's like in La Crosse again. We have this river. It's like yeah, I'm part of this river. I'm just part of this beautiful, this mighty stream. I'm doing my work and
0: yeah. And, I, and I, commenting on the community because you've touched on it a few times. That's it. That's what because wowed me coming to age as someone who wanted you know to, to be a musician in this area. And I stayed here after after high school. Went to college here. And I mean, I could tell you just so many stories of of how. Different bands, shaped and stuff. You know, we smoking bandits who who were just an awesome lacrosse band. You know, tug and smoking bandits. Twenty years ago, now on UWL campus, that's hard were to believe. we jamming and at house parties without names. You know, and there was these five guys, and we're all just doing it together. And still to this day, um, you know, a little bit different this year. But you can. I used to say, and I'll still say it because it, we'll get back there. But you can walk down any street. You know, downtown and now actually in surrounding areas, any day of the week, and be absolutely blown away by someone performing mm-hmm. in, in lacrosse.
1: That's such a gift. That's such a blessing to have that.
2: Yeah, it sure is. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. AroundriverCity.com is a great resource for you whether you need to find some fun or whether you just want to know what's going on. And one thing you can do there is subscribe to this podcast. And you'll get an alert every time there's something new. And it's free to subscribe, by the way. I'll be back with more of the conversation with Andy Hughes from TUG and Alexander Platt from the Lacrosse Symphony Orchestra. Okay, now we're going to get deep. We're going to talk about hope. This is Around River City, and I'm Ken Cooper with Andy Hughes from TUG and Alexander Platt from the Lacrosse Symphony Orchestra. So maybe this is too highfalutin or philosophical or deep a question. But, you know, Andy, you talked about being able to walk down the street and hear music being performed. And in this town, there are a lot of other uh, expressions of art as well, which are all wonderful.
1: And so I, does it give you hope to 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 see thriving Artistry? Oh, that's, uh, Ken, again, that's like not at all highfalutin the question. And, and, and I think Andy would agree with me. Absolutely, yes. Because as our lives become more and more dominated by technology, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a single gay guy. And I'm like, people used to th- say, oh, it must be, oh, it must be so difficult for you being alone. And like, first of all, no, it's not difficult being alone. And secondly, I'm like relieved that I don't have to have children. <laughs> I just don't know what it's like to bring up kids in this age. I mean, um, and and our life is only going to get more and more technological. And as as you know, it, it gets it compounds on itself. The, the 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 pace of this technological quote progress. I'm making quotation marks. Um, it just compounds and compounds and. <clears throat> we have no idea what life is going to be like in 10 and 20 years. And this whole thing of artificial intelligence and where is this? And I mean, the arts, it's like the, the least highfalutin thing you could possibly say, this creativity, this human beings making music and, and making all kinds of art for and with each other is just going to be like, uh, the you know the art and religion and just vision and faith and, and creativity and and the, and creating those moments that's going to literally be literally we've said this euphemistically but you you remember this mm-hmm. you'd always have some oh the arts they make us human and, and we're going to get to that point within our lifetimes where they literally are going to be the things that keep us human and so and so what's great about the many great things about being in lacrosse is you sense this is a community that values that and already knows it it's like as you're saying you can walk down the street and there you are
0: and you well and people organizing it and things like that but going back to the river the connected feeling mm-hmm. what's the what you know whatever the whatever that connection point in stranger things to the to the thing you know because you know how it's kind of like it's all sort of connected where if this feel, feels that you know, I don't want to get too, you know, down, but I think what, what I'm seeing, and, I, and I'm sure Alexander, you, as I see my, the, my artist friends, people that are, that create, and what this last year has meant, um, it's incredibly tough for everyone. and I totally get it. You almost feel the artists being connect and seeing it, the, the connection of that. And, and so what it's, what it's kind of caused, you know, it's caused, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of, uh, you know, there's mental health issues, stuff like that. At the same time though, that you see, you're seeing people be incredibly innovative with the persistence to create. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that blows me away. And, and I, you know, and I hear this a lot. And I think I have my whole life, I've heard it. I've just tried to bounce to different music and you'll always hear, you know, Oh, there's no good, there's no good. And I'm with any genre, right? Mm -hmm. I think every decade, you know, there's no, there's no, there's nothing good being made, right. right? And we all know that's not true. It's, it's, it's just that it might not be completely, you know, prevalent on this or that medium. But it is, but it's there's there's incredible music being made right now. There's incredible art being made. As, as Alexander said, how that'll it'll not never go away. And I, th- I, I agree with you. I think eventually it'll be the thing that makes us the most human.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, I think to, to build on what you were saying, people are talking all over about this, you know, the, the economy is going to quote explode and there's going to be this pent up demand that's going to finally get unleashed. I think there's a lot to be said for that, but building on what, what, what Andy said, I think, There's also going to be just as there was at the uh, after the end of the Second World War, this economic burst of activity. I think there's also going to be a, a, a burst of activity and creativity in the arts because, as you were saying, it's like there's been just as there's been this all this pent up demand. There's been all this pent up persistence of people doing everything to survive and keep creating as artists, and it's like again, it goes to like you know, not fitting in or gee, am I worthy to be up on this podium? If you can get through COVID and survive as an artist, I think you're going to feel like that all that self-consciousness is just going to go away and people are just going to create and just be who they are. And, and it's that, you know, I'm old enough to have been privileged to, I grew up in the very end of that post-war Flower garden, where just the arts, the creativity, it was everywhere. It was unabashed, and that was like in the late seventies, early eighties. And and I think we're going to come back into another era like that, where people are just going to be so damn grateful to be able to go to a concert hall and hear <laughs> great music and you know great theater and great acting and art and everything. I so let's let's hope that the two we don't always get it right in America in that regard, but let's hope that it's going to be one of those times where the economic activity and the creativity are going to be in sync, you know,
0: growing again. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think it's, you know, in a way there's some of that already happening. Yes. Um, again, with that, just seeing how people are do, getting through to, just, just, just to create, you know, it's like you'd ask any art, you know, what you'd give up to be able to create. I think I most of would give it, give most of it up to continue yeah, well, to create. Yeah. And I
2: can speak from the perspective of someone who doesn't create, music but boy do i need to receive what you gentlemen have to offer and so i you know i'll say on behalf of all of the
1: audiences that we need you oh, we need you i couldn't do it. it's it is a two. i i always tell the audience and i've told them this many times because i mean it i mean live you know, the audience literally ha- is Live musical performance is a participatory art form for the audience. The audience is literally playing a role in the, in, in the act of performance. They're literally participating. And I think one of the things that we've realized, I think we, I don't know about you, but I had realized this before COVID I'd already figured I I don't know much, but I, I knew that, 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 that there was never going to be a replacement for live performance. This whole kind of post-2008 Silicon Valley thing of, oh, why are you going to go here, you know, the La Crosse Symphony when you can have a hologram of the Berlin Philharmonic and you're living, that's, that's never, it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. It, never, ever. Um, and, and, but one of the beautiful things about La Crosse is that, and I've told them this, I tell them this re- regularly, literally the love that we feel from that audience at Viterbo for so anywhere we are in lacrosse, you can, it's palpable. You can feel the energy crossing the footlights to you. And it's not necessarily like the, like applauding all the time or something I mean, because my audience is like this very, it's, I'm stunned to say this, but the LSO audience is like an old world audience. Like if you do a symphony in four movements, after the first, second, and third movements, there's total silence. And I thought, oh, first I thought, oh God, I, they must have hated it. <laughs> oh no, I'm dying up here. <laughs> I thought, no. But this is like they, and this is like why, you know, it's not that like with other forms of music I love, and there are moments in classical music where something is so amazing. And I that I remember at Tanglewood, one of the other great experiences where I wasn't performing, I was in the audience, but it was this great, great, great German conductor, may he rest in peace, Klaus Tenstedt, who had worked in East Germany, and come to have a special relationship with Boston, and he had, there was this symphony, this famous late Romantic German piece, the Romantic Symphony of Anton Bruckner, and this is this very Bostonian audience, very proper, you know, East Coast, and after every single movement, people were just like screaming. The, the audience loves us so much. They are so totally involved in the performance that, you, again, you do a symphony, you do a concerto. Uh, unless up until it's the end of the piece, you can literally hear a pin drop. And at first, again, it was unnerving, but it's like, no, they are so involved with us. They're like right there. <laughs> They're right there. It's incredible, and you're never going to be re- able to re- replace that with technology. No, never,
0: no. And I think, you know, on on that point, I think it's become a flippant thing where you you hear performers, you know, oh, uh, you know, you know, feeling that energy, but it's so true, and it's not the applause, and it's not as we were right before the um, the COVID lockdown started. My uh, my best friend and I, Stacey Hansen, who's a, a, one of my favorite songwriters in this area, started doing really smaller kind of listening stuff to play, be able to play quiet pieces that we've written. So you're doing, you know, coffee places, 20 people. And that similar thing where they're like, it's like almost too quiet. But after a couple times, the energy I felt there matched any of the biggest stages with big, you know, because they were there. Well,
2: I think one of my, uh, and we will wrap it up here, I promise. But one of my favorite things about music as an art form is to me, it seems like, um, and I love painting, and I love sculpture, I love any kind of art there is. But when that painting is done, it's done, and it is that painting. Mm-hmm. Whereas music yeah. is a an original, every time you perform a, a piece of music or a song, it's an original work of art. Every single time. That's, it's not a copy. It's an original work of art every brilliant. single time.
1: That is such a, that's, Ken, seriously, that's such a great comment, because one of the other great, great conductors of, my younger well he's still active he's uh in his early i think he's about 80 now he's but he's all basically based in berlin now the great great conductor and pianist daniel barenboim who when i was starting out in chicago was the maestro of the chicago symphony orchestra one of the just these giants just giants walk the earth i mean he's one of those people and he just said that he said that what makes music so unique is that it is ultimately an ephemeral art form, and this is why we're live performance will never go out of fashion. Because you go into a room with as an individual with other people, and, and there's a, perf- a performance, and it has a beginning, a middle, and an ending. And that particular performance will never, ever, ever be replicated. Whether it's again, it, whether it's like reggae, ska, it's a country, or it's. Uh, you know, Mendelssohn's Italian symphony there, there will, it will never be exactly that way. And, and that's a good thing yeah, about it. Right. And when it's over, it's gone forever. I mean, you can preserve it as a recording, but it won't be like literally being that there. And you, you know,
0: there's certain tones from that room, from that time, from oh, whatever yeah. piece. And that's why when I, when I said creation, I didn't necessarily even mean that, that creation of a moment with, within oh, music yeah, and live moments, music. Moments. It's just, and, and it, you know, I mean, I, you go to like um, Grateful Dead and that whole jam band thing, that's what they they literally tried to capture a whole movement in that where we're never gonna play you know, we're not gonna play the same set list for you know, it's it's all gonna be but it doesn't even take that level we're, we're saying the way that certain instrument sounded off of that panel in that particular room at whatever time, it's never gonna happen again.
1: And like you remember whether it's like this great opera singer turning to another great opera. Like just remember like a moment and it's like, you see this with great performers in, in your in your world, like again, June and Carter and Johnny Cash, the way, I just remember, like I remember moments like when one singer just like made a half turn to the right and looked at someone. And I still like get a chill down my spine, just think that moment, and you
0: couldn't have, it, that's what- Johnny and June looked at each other when you were oh talking God, about Oh God, it's just- I the, mean, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> I, that changed, but hearing just, I mean, that, that didn't have anything to do with the song. Yeah. Just hearing him just say it that way- that,
2: moment. I I love seeing it when two musicians are on stage and one of them will do something and the other one will look at them and their eyebrows raise, and they've got to stay in the moment of what they're doing, but you can tell what that musician just did surprised. Yeah. That's like the supernatural. It's the
0: supernatural. It's just, that's, that's that community aspect too, where it's watching and learning from each other and, and, and the listening, right? That just, that's probably the biggest, the biggest lesson I've learned from all the people that I've been blessed to be in the room with in this amazing community is, is how important listening is in, 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 in live music and, and in, um, in a world where it's so loud, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of narratives and they're all being shouted at us. I think live music and that can, we can all learn from that is that sometimes, as you said, the only reaction, sometimes the best reaction is silence. And sometimes the best way to navigate all this is to listen. You know, and mu- live music, you you ha- you have to. You totally have to listen. No, I had to, It took me like a good twenty
1: years to learn that as a conductor. That ultimately, the thing I do, I have to do the
0: most is listen. I'm I'm a highly opinionated dude, so I'm I I and so I get my um, emotion. I can be kind of, especially I'm, in the last year, I've been all yeah, over the place. I know, and I know. remembered that aspect. And this is no joke. Just remembering that, you know, like. Really, that because that's the big again. The biggest thing I've learned is is to listen it's the what's in the silence and learning from someone else. Um, so it's 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 uh, helped. Yep. Hasn't fixed, but it's helped balance things. I think for me a little a little bit lately. You and me both. Well, guys, I have to tell you
2: this this is uh i think my favorite thing about this conversation um is that it it uh i covered nothing that i had planned on covering which is Aww. no that's the way Great. a good conversation goes yeah that's the way a good conversation goes yeah. i uh, this has just been this is exciting to me so i i think i'm going to have to make you both promise on the record that we can do this again oh
1: absolutely we'll love
2: to. Yeah. you did hear them promise that right they said it right I want to say thanks so much to Andy Hughes from Tug and Alexander Platt from the La Crosse Symphony Orchestra. This has been a really fun conversation about music and a lot more. Just like all good conversations, there's so much more than we planned on talking about. This is Around River City, and there are a lot of episodes to the show available at AroundRiverCity.com. Subscribe for free, and you'll never miss a new one. Thanks for being a part of the conversation.